Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hi guys, it's Anna David here with After Party Pod. Welcome if you're new. Welcome if you're old to the podcast. We're all eternally youthful around here, I guess, in our heads. Anyway, um, yeah, so so if you're new to this podcast, we talk about addiction and recovery. And now, more and more, healthy relationships. This uh, podcast is a part of the, the website after Party Magazine, which is a website I started in 2013. It is now growing all the time. We post uh, between, uh, math is not my strong suit. We post between eight and 13 stories a day. Yeah. We're on Facebook and Twitter and all of those places. So come check us out. And, and yeah, that's an After Party used to just focus on addiction and recovery. And we want to talk about relationships because isn't that what we're all obsessed with? And it's not just romantic relationships, relationships with friends, family members, enemies. We'll get into that. Yeah. You probably don't have any, but you know, I don't have any at this moment. I really don't. Yeah. Okay. You guys probably don't either. But anyway, uh, that just seems to be something that is a more mainstream interest. And it is also something that certainly affects addicts and recovery and not. So anyway, uh, today's guest is, I mean, the most beautiful guest that we've had. Uh, This is not, as you know, a video podcast. I I apologize for that right now. And she came in looking gorgeous. And so only I got to see it because we recorded it on a weekend. So there was not even anyone around this office, except there was a guy with a dog and the dog was really into her. So, and the guy was distracted. That's the only, I mean, he was, I'm sure into her too, but he was, he was more subtle about it than the dog. Um, anyway, it's Amber Smith. Now you may know her from her numerous magazine covers. Uh, she, she has been in, uh, on the cover of Vogue, Elle, Cosmo, Marie Claire, Playboy. Uh, she's been in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, she has was modeling forever and ever, and then she became an actress, I, you know, and most memorably, I would say, in L.A. Confidential when she's sitting in the car and uh, she has the busted up nose. She plays Susan Lefferts, remember? And then, the, then he goes and he talks to Guy Pierce, goes and talks to Susan Lefferts' mother. She was very memorable in that, but she's also been in uh, The Rat Pack. She was in American Beauty. She starred in the Cinemax TV series, Sin City Diaries. And then 
she took a radical departure and appeared on Celebrity Rehab, where she openly discussed her 16-year struggle with opiate abuse and addiction. And, and really, I think, helped a lot of people who would, who would just look at her and go, ah, that woman, she's got no problems at all. And she appeared also on the follow-up shows, uh, Sober House, um, Sober House. Oh, and she was on the, she was on the sex rehab with Dr. Drew too. Um, anyway, so she has been sober a little over six years, and is it a little under six years or a little over six years. I'm horrible with numbers. Now I'm thinking it might be eight. And this is always really embarrassing. I never remember when I'm doing these intros, and and then we always talk about it in the episodes. So you you know, tell me if I'm wrong. But anyway, we. Uh, and now her big thing that she's conquering is codependency, which is perfect for the direction that this podcast is taking. So we talked a lot about that, a lot about, uh, you know, codependence developing as a, re- as a result of our families. And her mother appeared very memorably on Celebrity Rehab because she too is struggling and is still struggling with opiate addiction. So we get into all that, but you know what was most interesting to her, to me about her was I've never really been around somebody beautiful, not beautiful, whatever it was, who seemed to have no ego identification with the way she looks. None at all. Like when she talked about it, it was almost like she was talking about the way that building is really beautiful. Like she, it's so interesting because you just don't get this sense at all that she walks around. I mean, she might know how beautiful she is, but she doesn't walk around with her ego affected by it. You'll be able to hear this, I believe. It was really, I don't think I've ever encountered that. I have tremendous ego around the way I look, and most people I know do, I think. I don't know. Do you guys? Probably not. Anyway, with that, I give you Amber Smith. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh, my God. I think my copy has, like, blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? So we're going. So as I was telling you off air, well, and also I approached you with a a massive hug because I, you know, of course feel, I feel, because I've watched every episode of those shows and know so many people on them, I felt like I knew you. Right. But I bet a lot of people do. Well, especially right after the show aired, there were so many people. It was so interesting. I had a guy pull me aside and say, um, my wife doesn't know this, but I'm on 10 Vicodin a day. And he was like, oh, oh, that felt so good to say. Wow. His own wife didn't know. Yeah, well, I believe that. Oh, totally. Oh, totally believe that. Right. But to pull me aside and just get it up and out. Yeah. Do you find those shows hard to watch? Well, no. I, I find intervention hard to watch. Um, you know, I, for me, I mean, honestly, I mean, because I, I, I love Drew so much. I, I got sober with Jen. Um, you know, it felt like almost reminiscent of my early sobriety in a way. Um, 
And I often felt like, not, not it's the equivalent of a meeting, but it sure reinforced a lot of the stuff right. I needed to remember. Um, I can't imagine the surreality of being a part of them. Um, you know, I wasn't real present. I really thought I was coming off very differently. I knew that, you know, all my, my dirty laundry was exposed. I didn't know how lost I was. Now looking back, yeah. I see someone really lost. Right. I right. really thought that I was like, yeah, you know, I was a painkiller addict, but now I'm going to get sober and it's going to be great. I just thought right. I was coming off very, oh, look, she's changing her life. I didn't realize I was just out of it, not present, uh, didn't know anything about myself. But the reason I asked you, do you find them hard to watch? They're so heavy. You are dealing with the core of humanity, of, of our, our human issues. Like you're, you're dealing with insecurity and why is it so important to be secure as a human being? If we all come from the same source, but we are a little piece of soul is in these bodies, why is it so important to feel secure? Like you would just think we'd automatically feel secure. Well, I do think some people do. God bless I, them. Well, I think it's, you know, I'm a big, you know, yes, you're born with alcohol, with, with alcoholism, but, you know, your circumstances sort of either, you know, make that worse or better. Right. To me, everything, everything ha important happens between the ages of zero and 12. So it's 100%. really easy to blame the parents and then get caught up in that. Right. When that doesn't. You know, they're doing the best they can. Right. And it's hard to say that part with real earnesty to, to, to be, you know, it, right. it's, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I think it even happens earlier. I mean, a lot of my trauma happened as a teen, but I was already messed up. Yeah. I was messed up at five. I was messed up at seven. I mean, I was already separate and apart. It did not matter, you know, what happened in school. It didn't want, matter what happened in my career. Right. I was insecure. I could barely speak. It, it's out of the womb. So, so w w when you say like as a child, what do you remember? Do you just remember feeling different? Uh, did you, Oof. were you, you know, a part of things and you still felt different or not? You know, I heard something. I'd like to know your opinion on this. Um, the way you are in high school, your social positioning oh God, in high school stays with you the rest of your life. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I sure hope that's not true. Me too. Because I will tell you, for me, I had the best, I, I don't know if I'm lying to myself, like my childhood, I, I believe I was completely quote unquote normal. Okay. And didn't have issues. Okay. And then I got to high school. High school was really traumatic for okay. me. And then I got to college and college was amazing. Like high school was the four oh, year period where it was the worst. Horrible. I, I went to a kind of awful school with just the, the nastiest people imaginable. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, so okay, so where did you grow up? In Tampa, Florida. Okay. And I went to a, you know, a super large public school too. Mm -hmm. So I was driving up here today and I'm going, is this true? Well, I was well known in high school because of the way I looked. I was very tall with long right. blonde hair. Right. Barely said a word. Right, right, right. Um, always had the very outgoing friend that fought all my battles. Okay. So I'm having a problem right now today with a friend that wants to fight all my battles. To this is today. You're to, to the day. Yeah. yeah, okay. I always have that 
friend. Call yeah. them a, a, an active alcoholic. Call them a narcissist. Call them what you will. A codependent. Well, that's me. Oh, well, okay. that's me. Okay, I'm but the codependent. are they codependent to be Total, fighting your totally, battles? Totally, but just but just the the label. Yeah, you know, I'm the one that. Oh, you're fabulous. You're this. You're that. I build them up. I have a hard time telling them anything that their shit doesn't stink in any way. Right. I have such a hard time, even when it it, it would serve them. Yeah. Right. Why can I not do that when I'm watching someone destroy their relationship? And when I say, you know, I don't know if he's smothering you. I, you might right. be smothering him. Right. And then all the yelling and screaming right. that happens from the other side. I'm terrified of the rage and anger because I've had it all my life. Right. And to this day, and I'm going, what am I doing? It's very unpleasant now. Because you're sober. And you're aware of... And every year you're sober. Every day you're oh, sober, you're more aware yes. of, of just the, the dysfunction and right. the pain. It's awful. It's awful. Which is not to say that long-term long term sobriety is great in many ways. It gets so much better, but I think you have to just work a little bit harder if you want that same peace that you got you know, earlier. Right. Now, question. Okay, so do you think you're drawn to to angry people? I mean, to yes. rage when you, okay. So. 100%, because uh, according to me, this is the biggest yeah. pile of crap ever. I don't have any anger. I have depression. Right, right. I am the angriest person on earth, but it anger hurts so much. To me, anger equals impotence. Whenever I've gotten really angry, I have never gotten my way. I have never been able to make a point. I've always had to back down and eat crow. It's been painful. Interesting. I, I've never been able to, not even once, if I were to ever get really angry and have another person go, okay, you know what? I get it. I get why that might heal, but I'm going to have to heal in a different way. It, well, it's yeah. just going to have to come from a different way. That's interesting. So I tracked anger. it. So anger was never effective for you, even though you had all, like you have all the status in the world. You're mm -hmm. Like you couldn't get angry and get what you wanted? No, but you know what I can do is I'm very, very depressed. And yes, I know I have some issues, but I really do. If I could just have that little bit of money now though, right. I'm much better at manipulation, self-pity, depression. Right, right. I live in that world and I'm comfortable in that world. Right. And that's the world of the martyr. And, yeah. you know, everyone takes advantage of me and I get my way through, especially in the using days. Yeah. Through, I, uh, I cannot power through, um, w through anger. I can't even access it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Ever as a kid, even. Oof. Good question. I don't know as a kid, I'd have to think about that. I've been thinking so much in my, and I have two relationships left in my life that are with angry women, mm -hmm. angry. And, and, and when I meet these women, they're awesome. They're, they're Dynamic, funny. Yeah. They're charming. They're super smart. They run businesses. I mean, I'm so impressed. They're, right. Their education. They're amazing. Four or five months later, they're cruel. They're manipulative. They're angry. You cannot say anything to them. Right. So I've learned this has been a pattern. Like you said, my early sobriety was a dream. Yeah. I didn't know who I was. Right. I was happy to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that first year. Yeah. But, <sighs> but, but like, how nice that our standards raise totally. from being happy to be alive to wanting peace. Well, I don't that's know. True. I did have so much peace then too. And I don't want to discourage anybody because I have also had, uh, whatever, so I'm 14 years, my 12 to 13, amazing. Better than my first really? year. Oh, it happens. It did does. you have a spiritual experience or just your life got good or like, or, well, or you met? They kind of go together. I mean, this is my whole thing, is how can you tell the difference between a spiritual experience and life going the way you want to? Because for me, they feel the same. 
and I only know they're different when the circumstances change. But Ooh. but I will say it had been a really dark time before. Um, yes, I well I just dove into the program again. Um, and I just, yeah, I mean, absolutely spiritual. And then my gratitude over that year that was bad being over, I was just so grateful for all the stuff that, like, right. I had taken for granted before. Right. You know? Were you ill? Physically? No. Oh, okay. Well, you yes, no, I was. But it was back problems. So that was part of it. I had it. a bulging disc um, and a disintegrated disc in my L4, L5. <laughs> and I couldn't walk for part oh. of it. So, yeah, I mean, but not ill. Yeah, that's got it, got it. That right. counts. Right. Um, did you have physical pain that brought on the original interest in opiates? Oh, well, I well, I know you. I know the story about how in France you could yeah. get basically codeine. You could just walk in and get it. Right. It used to. Yeah. But did, was it, did that start from pain, physical pain? No. Uh, my mother had migraines, so mm-hmm. I, you know, saw her take Percodan and Percocet, and I mean, she even told me she goes, "I took it uh, when I was pregnant with you." Mm-hmm. My doctor said, "Here, you know, if you're in pain because you're uncomfortable in the pregnancy, take it." Well, I also used to have, uh, as a baby, I had to be taken back to the hospital due to such severe stomach problems. So they think I was actually in withdrawal from all the, yeah, exactly, as a very young kid. But um, no, I never got the migraine headaches. I just was miserable. And I learned, I mean, uh, I hate to say this, but it it is the truth. But one day I came home from a, a, a modeling assignment. It was about 15, 16. It was right before I went to Europe. Mm-hmm. And I was very upset because the other girl was having an affair with the photographer and didn't have to do anything for the whole day. Mm-hmm. So I had to do everything. And I'm ranting and raving. And my mom said, here, have something. And she gave me a pill. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh. suddenly all the anger from that day and all the upsetness just went away. Mm-hmm. And it was on. God, yeah. For the, you know, for the rest of my life. Like, that was it. It took away that those feelings. Yeah. So then I went to Europe and discovered that. And then, you know, I came back to New York just a full-blown... Opiate addict, yeah. So, okay, so in terms of the modeling, so you, you were, like, discovered? Did you pursue it? How did how did that start? No, you know, my mom did fall in love with pills, and mm-hmm. she admitted, I asked my mom, why didn't you ever date after my father? And she said, I fell in love with pills. Yeah. And to this day, she's, you know, still in love with pills. But and she's, she's sober, right? No, no, she she's was. Not. She She was. She's gone off. She's had a hard time. Like, she said, Amber, here's the problem. At our worst, we were together at my bottom. Very much codependent, very together, literally together in the motel room for three and a half months of me going, oh my God, how did I get here? (gasps) What moves did I make? Like it hit me hard, but it didn't hit her. Right. I mean, fair enough. Like I I was trying to get her sober and she she was running there for a minute. You know what I mean? Like just kind of like trying to do the deal. Yeah. But then said to me, I remember what it's like to take a pill and feel better, Amber. But didn't it, didn't the, I don't know. Opiates ended up making you very depressed. Oh, God. For me, I was way off the other side. Like, I came out the other side where I went from making me feel better to horrible. But she never had that? No. She said, the pills stopped working for you, but they never stopped working for me. That is a curse. Oh, curse. Isn't it horrible? She's stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, I think it's like, you know, we, I mean, I'm certainly not the first person to say this. It's like, you know, we have the emotional pain. We find the thing, just like you described, takes it away. Right. Works for a long time, usually. Mm -hmm. Years. Yep. Maybe a decade. And then when it turns (sighs) and does the exact opposite and makes it worse, you're just, you can't fathom it. That's the word. It's the most dangerous place to be is when it stops working. And if you're in a bad place in your life and it 
typically comes hand in hand. When yeah. that stops working and the thoughts in your head, you can start hearing those voices like, yeah, it doesn't shut off all that pain. Oh my gosh, that's a bad place to be. And there's no amount that can, it just stops working. I know, I know. It's amazing that there are people, well, I mean, the people anecdotally that I know about who kind of use drugs, their hard drugs their whole life. I'm like, what? Like you haven't killed yourself? I know. How? Ouch. Did you, so, okay, wait, I just want to, I like chrono, chronology. So, okay, so you're, so you grow up, how did, the, how did the modeling start? Slowly. I had a little problem keeping my weight down. So, oh, okay. um, you know, high school got a little rough for me with the other girls. Again, I always had that friend that fight my battles, but you can't take on the entire senior class. Why? Because so they were just jealous? Yeah, it was just yeah. a, a rough school, a big school. And I was very quiet. Yeah. I, you know, I, I barely said a word. And yet still. It, yeah, it was like that. So I went and um, started working at Hooters, but I was too young to handle any of the alcohol. But one day, after about a year there, um, a scout came in. He was a very, very low-end agency, but he did fly me over to, to Europe. Uh-huh. In which they basically just took my money. I mean, there's a lot of scams. Yeah. You're, you're happy to be in modeling. But right. had I known what I know now, I would look back and go, oh my gosh, that agency is like the lowest of the low. They will take your money. Even and, they got you jobs, but took the money? Absolutely. And, right. and they'll tell you, well, you, you, know, you have rent here. And you're looking at this place where there's five or six girls, it's bunk beds, it is a roach motel. Right. And you're going, how much can it possibly cost to where I'm doing commercials with Elle McPherson? Right. And you're telling me I don't have a penny? But right. how do I fight? What do I do? Get an international lawyer when I don't have a dime to my name? Right. So wealthier girls in that business do better because when someone messes with them, they, they can lawyer. actually get a lawyer. Yeah. And they can get a, an apartment and get out of that hellhole. So for the first few years, it was kind of rough. But then I started to lose the weight and I started to catch on to the business. Mm -hmm. You know, not before like a lot of a oh, lot of scams and hustles, mm -hmm. and there's playboys and this and that. I, I, I need to write my own book, but I'm you honestly, sure do. I will, but there, it's been too painful. Mm -hmm. It's been too painful, and I'm scared by the time I want to write my book, no one will know who I am. But you know what? I, it's just a little too painful right now. Yeah. I feel like every year, like your first year, you're happy to be alive. Your second year, you look at mom and dad. Yeah. Your third year, you're like, hey, that friendship I built in here is not like real healthy. Yeah. You know, the friends that you thought you had, like yeah. there's some weird dynamic there. And then your fourth year, you look at your relationships and realize that's your, 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 your intimate relationships right. um, are not real healthy. You kind of like you're peeling, peeling the onion. Yeah. You know? And I'm still kind of doing it. I'm year six now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still, now it's actually, I know what's going on. I just got to start cutting. I cut a lot of people and I have, you know, just two left. And it's just uh, of, of these uh, girls that I, I got to realize I have to own my anger. Because if I don't own my anger, I'm going to attract it in. Yeah, that's interesting. I, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, tr I mean, and by the way, I don't mean to be depressing, but in terms of peeling the onion, like I had somebody on here with 25 years of sobriety who was telling me she just realized that she could like move out of her one bedroom apartment. You know, it all, it always happens, but you know, she's made tremendous it. progress in other ways. You know, it, it's all, yeah. it's all so arbitrary, but, and, and it is wonderful. You know, I'm in a sort of like weird space right now, but you know, I, I don't know about you, but don't, do you have periods where it's just wonderful? It's not painful or is it all still a, like a lot of work right now? No, it was a lot of work. 
No, I, I agree with you, but I did recently go through illness. So my first time ill ever. You're right. I, and, and, and like, I've been, I was telling my mom the other day, I've been so focused on my head for yeah. three decades. Right. My body gave out and now I'm a little grateful to be alive. I had some, you know, I won't even bore you with it, but it well, was just. Some, you, can you talk about it or do you not want to? Not really. Yeah. It's just some major stuff that, yeah. you know, we're working with right now. Uh, it was kind of shocking. And um, I'm in a real grateful place of, oh, my God, I'm here. Yeah. I never looked at my physical health. And right. by the way, I never realized when you do have really good physical, healthy moments, your mind opens up. Yeah. I, I never had that. Because you weren't physically healthy without knowing you weren't physically right. healthy? Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I was sick for a long, long time. Right. I'm not even sure how I got here. Like they said, you've been sick for years. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden now I've been getting better in my mind. It's like, well, I didn't know the connection was so strong. I know. Like, I don't mean just a little bit like, oh, it's a good day. I mean, like, oh, wow, I don't remember those colors. Like I am really, yeah. it, there's a huge mind body connection. I know that sounds so naive, but yeah. I had to feel it myself. It's almost like a spiritual experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm, I'm sort of, I, I just found out that I have these, a couple things, not super serious, but things that I'm asymptomatic. I have really bad headaches. I'm asymptomatic on all of those things. Okay. And ha- I've had them for years. And I'm suddenly being treated and I'm excited. I'm like, there's just the, the naturopath is like, you are going to feel so oh, amazing because yes. you didn't know. Like, I'm just, yes. I'm, I'm acclimated to whatever, you know, yes. it's been doing to me. Oh, I can't wait because I have a naturopath mm-hmm. and that's who's been yeah. like cutting down all this stuff. And like, I had such a bad infection in my tooth for years that it took out my right side. It went completely numb. Oh my I still God. don't have a lot of feeling in here. Oh my So God. when they did a double root canal, which is not good to do, but I had to, it yeah. was such bad infection, chills, fever. I mean, I didn't know if I was going to make it through. I was so weak. I feel great. I'm so excited for you because you're tackling something you got so used to. I know. I know. I mean, yeah, all, my only symptom that I'm aware of is the headaches, but who knows? Well, first of all, the idea of those being gone is just amazing. But question, when oh, you wait. had the, the double root canal, were you tempted to do painkillers or do, were you able to do them with like sponsored direction or? No, it's, it's double, it, the nerve's gone. It didn't hurt at all. Oh. Yeah, the nerve is, is gone. The only thing that sucked was when I took the clindamycin, I had severe chills and fever. And uh, the only time I was ever tempted was I was so scared because I mean, I was really sick. I wrote to the doctor and said, am I supposed to have like a a really high fever and really bad chills? And it's been two days now, nonstop. I can't sleep anything. He's like, no, you should go to the ER. That was when I like, you know, when something really major happens because that kind of infection, when they mess around, that can go into your blood and kill you. Yeah. Go to your brain. I mean, I lost the feeling in my right side and I didn't know why for months I'm searching and it was my tooth yeah naturopath found it by the way not doctors yeah that's crazy they I mean this woman I just stumbled upon it and I'm really hoping she's it's gonna the help thing. you yeah but yeah. but I'll tell you that worry did make me want to go hmm. gosh I wonder what neighbor's holding but that worry of my life like yeah. like I'm really sick yeah it wasn't necessarily pain but just you know I mean you're worried am, am I gonna make it through this yeah, yeah. I um, okay. Wait, I want to still go back to the chronology. So people are people are taking advantage. Um, you found the opiates, like you're in France. Is that that first trip? So you know, I looked. Someone said something mind blowing in a codependency anonymous meeting, mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I'll take you back there. But um, I was a huge opiate addict. Mm-hmm. 
And I find that the women I bring in my life, my friends are angry and they're alcoholics Mm -hmm. and they're smart and sassy and amazing, but angry alcoholics. But, and I'm a depressed opiate addict and love opiates over anything else. So I thought, what is this? I I never even liked alcohol. Like why, why am I so opiate obsessed? So, um, I go all through my modeling career being hustled, taken advantage of, not being able to say no. I mean, the one great thing about my girlfriends is they're fighters. Mm-hmm. They'll be, I mean, they'll get in your face. Mm-hmm. They know how to stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm a little jealous of that. As a matter of fact, too much so. Mm-hmm. They'll tell everybody off. They're right. too, too defensive. Right. However, I, I didn't have that. So I'm in Europe. I'm, you know, oh, Amber, um, we've just finished shooting uh, fashion for Mary Claire you know, I, uh, can you get nude and let me take some shots of you? It's very important for another magazine. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I, I could have made a lot of money. I mean, girls, they, they make a lot of money for that or, or, or they go, well, yeah, for the cover of Vogue or right. talk to my agency. Right. I couldn't say no. no, I couldn't, I had no ability. So something in a codependency anonymous meeting blew my mind. This doctor came in, told a story he goes, and by the way, uh, all you codependents, if you are uh, were major opiate addicts, the reason is opiates act like boundaries more than any other drug because it numbs the feeling like you and I, me wanting to take on your feelings. Right. It numbs that. When when I take opiates, it stops me from, does she like me? Right. Um, uh, how can I help her? Do I need to take care of her? Yeah. yeah. How do I make her like me? How do I make her feel better about her? Right. And those feelings are a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. And, and back when I was not real conscious of what was going on, it was, I mean, I tried to have dry periods. I tried to jump off opiates sometimes, mm-hmm. but it was too painful. But physically painful as well? Oh, God. grueling. But let's just say I made it through that. Yeah. But it's grueling. I mean, the restless leg syndrome alone. But let's just say, let's just say I got through it and, I, and I'm now three, four weeks out of, of a major opiate addiction. Mm-hmm. How do I deal with you? Yeah. Because I'm so worried how you're doing. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Of? What are you thinking of me right now? I mean, it's such work, but it's all uh, un- unconscious. Mm-hmm. And then I wonder why I isolate away. Mm-hmm. And then you're bored in your home, scared of people, and you don't know why. And, and But really, is it's just too painful. It's just painful insecurity. Mm-hmm. And just trying to make everybody right. And is someone looking at me wrong? And how can I make them good? And I can't disagree with them because they may not like me. Mm-hmm. It, it was so much work no wonder it never i always went back always but i had to lose everything before i ever could do it yeah. yeah so and so is it a blur those years a lot of it i mean the the, the 20s you know everyone kind of loses their 20s in a way <laughs> i lost my 30s yeah that sucks yeah. but you know what i mean like that's where it's like ouch i didn't get into recovery until 36 i i want those years back but yeah. You know, like they say, there's got to be a reason for it. Do you believe it all happens the way it's meant to? Yes. Um, I, I wanted kids. You could still have them. Yeah. I'm going to try. Yeah. So I was so ill, I lost my period three years. And I was told at 39 years old that I was in menopause. I mean, people can go into they can menopause go into early. early menopause, yeah. So I called my mom and said, the what? doctor... Just told me I was in this last year, or no, two years ago. Long story short, just recently got my period. Awesome. But because I'm working with a naturopath yeah. and I'm getting better. Yeah. And slowly, I, I've never been so surprised in my life. 
So my mother was right. Yeah. She was absolutely right. She's like, well, she goes, it was, I was 51 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when you do it. Like when your mom did. And, um, but I was so sick that I lost my beer and my sex drive. That hasn't come back yet, but it should. It's just a matter of, you know. Are you, do you take antidepressants? No. Do you have uh, low progesterone? I have low everything. Mm-hmm. It's we don't even know how I just got my period back. Right. Um, we think after the the root canal, my immune system released a little bit, and I built up just a little bit of hormone. Right. And we've been doing a lot of detoxing and cleansing and all kinds of stuff, but I can't believe it. So you know, maybe I have I can have my kids. I'm, of course, I don't know. if you want it. You know, either that or I'll adopt. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to look back because when you're using, I, I'm bad with like, you don't build memories when strong emotions aren't attached, right? Yeah. And when you're pushing back, we want to push back the emotions that are painful, but we push back all emotions. Right. That's the problem. And so you push back joy, you, you don't really laugh anymore, you don't even realize you have no sense of humor anymore. Right. You don't even, it, 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 you, you come into like, these recovery groups and you can't even laugh anymore it yeah. just went somewhere along the line is that back yeah that's back that's yeah back. but i'll never forget my friend rick they were talking about something not really like a laugh out loud funny but he was talking about this guy that's extremely overweight and he's really really he's almost 400 pounds and they tried to put him on an exercise bike and everyone was scared around him that he was going to fall over on them and everyone was laughing at the table and to me that's kind of like slapstick comedy yeah and i just sat there and, and i was very very new in recovery i think i had like you know 10 days yeah and they're like don't you think that's funny and i'm like oh that's funny right i had no ability to like laugh and they're like why aren't you laughing i'm like oh i'm laughing am i not laughing right i didn't even know yeah that like i was just sitting there i totally relate to that and it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know, in the beginning, I sure laughed a lot on drugs. Oh, yeah. I wonder, though, did I? On cocaine? I, I feel like I do. I did, but who knows? Well, it frees okay, you up a little. We don't need these anymore, by the way. Because oh. we're talking into this. Wait, well, oh, okay. But we're all good. I just <laughs> It frees you up. And yeah. And, you know, definitely, it, it frees you up a little bit, but then it just turns. Yeah. So, okay, so you, so 36... Um, you get an offer to go um, on Celebrity Rehab. Mm-hmm. It just it just came to your agent? No. Actually, the guy, Rick, I just spoke to you about, mm-hmm. he was an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was done. I ended up in that motel room. Mm-hmm. And if I said, I said, God, that was kind of how I met, like, um, here I started on a spiritual path. I always believed in God, but didn't really have a working relationship yeah. with anything. I'm very metaphysical now. I'm right. obsessed with astrology and feng shui and numerology. I love it. I love, love, love it. And, um, but I didn't really have any kind of working, I, you know, I didn't pray or, or anything yeah. like that. But then finally, I got out of that motel room, and I just felt like something was out there. And I had, you know, a really heavy spiritual experience. When, and what I mean is I had nothing in my life at that time. I was a quarter million in debt. I mean, I was really in terrible shape, but yet I was high as a kite. I just felt like something got me out of that that motel room very synchronistically, and I had never seen synchronicity in my life. Mm. I couldn't see it. I was unaware of it. I didn't put together things. I didn't see the connection. I wasn't willing. I didn't see it. Yeah. I was unaware of it. So that blew my mind, and that started me off on a, a spiritual path. Yeah, I remember one of my first meetings hearing uh, coincidence coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, I do want to get to the hotel room. How did you end up? Okay, so you, how did you and your mom end up living together there? Oh my God, we just, I had had mo- uh, savings from modeling. Mm-hmm. And we just kept living a lifestyle I shouldn't have. I wanted to come out and act. I had had a bad overdose in New York City, so there was a few months I was a dry drunk. So the overdose was pills and what happened? Well, my modeling agency did a little intervention, and I'll never forget this. So they took me to, I think it was called Manhattan Hospital, Mm -hmm. and I had thrown up, it was just red jello. It looked like blood all Mm -hmm. over this white fur coat. They brought me in there. I apparently called a suicide hotline. I had no memory. And then the suicide hotline called my agent, and my agent brought some other agents to my front door, and they took me to the hospital. They finally got me checked in, but the lady at the Manhattan Hospital looked at me, and she goes, oh, my God, what happened? And they went, oh, no, that's just Jello, but she's sick. And the, the nurse was very upset, and I remember her very vividly. Mm-hmm. And she goes, what, what, what is it? What is it? And they said, well, it's a drug overdose. She goes, oh, she's going to have to wait. Yeah. That day, because I, I used after that for another 10 years. I, I stayed dry for a couple months, moved to L.A., wanted a fresh start. But you bring you with you, yeah, right? So, I mean, I thought, I'm going to go to L.A. and acting, I'm going to like it more. And so I'm not going to be depressed because now I'm doing what I love to do. And it's not just going to be about looks. It's going to be about talent. I told myself this story, but I never fixed the inside, right? So I land. And then a couple months later, I broke open and just started again. Right. And for the next 10 years. But I hid it. I I was very, very sneaky. So sneaky. Like... uh, it was just me and my mom hiding away from the world because I'll never forget that lady's face when yeah. she realized it was drugs. Right. I was a scumbag that wasn't to be let in immediately that was to now wait and right. die. Right, and you were not going to experience that again. Right, so. so I was really good at hiding. And so you could work? You could work all day? Oh, work, yeah, because then it first just started you know, back a, a couple pills a day, and I remember my therapist say, please don't start drug-seeking behavior. Mm-hmm. So I made my mom do it. So for the first few years of going back on drugs, I made her go to all the doctors. And then eventually I started my drug-seeking behavior again. Yeah. I just told myself lies. Yeah. And then, but for a minute there, I was on lower doses. I could work. I had no ability to connect with you. And here's the weirdest thing to me. Why in that 10-year period did I never ask myself, why don't you have a good friend? Yeah. I never once asked myself, why, why am I not out Friday night with the girls? Why was I always, yes, I went to like some red carpet stuff, but hammered. Yeah. And to be seen. Yeah. Because I would have such low self-esteem. Yeah. Um, Did my career like crazy because, again, still about, you know, I thought I was ambitious. Bullshit. I was living from cover to film to TV to cover. Right. That was how I got my self-esteem. But, I mean, how many people out there are doing it? Maybe not with the opiates. How many? I mean, that's the world. That's, that's the, the world. That is the message we get. Oh, go the, achieve. Right. Go. Right. You know, that's where you get happiness. And, you know, right. I don't know. Like, it feels like jumping from lily pad to lily pad. Right. And, like, you better not fall in the water when you don't get the job or whatever right. it is. Um, when you or, turn 25 and you're a model, ouch, you're going to fall in the water. Right. And then when you when you hit 30, you're definitely going to fall in the water. Yeah. So I was scrambling. Get yeah. Better, exercise more. Yeah. So, and so you guys end up, so you were living large with mom for a while and then you ended up in the... So I had that, that savings from modeling. Mm-hmm. It was good. I made very good money in modeling. I never made a lot of money in acting. Um, it was hard. You know, I got jobs here and there. Out of the models I did well, but I never made a slew of money. Mm-hmm. So basically just chipping away at that savings and then the day it was gone, it was gone. 
So then we started living on credit and then that stopped. And, and I look back and I'm like, was I crazy? Why did I invest any of that money? What was I thinking? I mean, listen, I understand even a healthy person has to take a chance. Yeah. You know, you want to come out to LA and try your hand for a few years, but have a plan. Right. I was out of my mind. Just out of my mind. And so was my mom. Neither yeah. of us had a plan. Yeah. So we both end up in this motel room and it, it just got through to me. It just, how did I get here? Why am I so in debt? When I tried to get an apartment, I couldn't because my credit was so bad. Mm-hmm. And I never forget my mom saying, she goes, you know what? We need to sue them for discrimination. I said, sue who? We're sitting in a bed in, in a motel room. And this is the day that I realized there's a day that comes, I don't care if you're an addict, alcoholic, or a normal person, you know, or normie. Yeah. There's a day that comes when you look at your parent and you realize they're not superheroes, that yeah. they're just people. So I was looking over and I said, sue who? And she said, the, the apartment buildings, they're discriminating against us. I said, what do you mean? She's like, well, they won't let us in because we have bad credit. Oh my God. I said, that's what they do. Right. She's like, that's not fair. I'm going to call the Better Business Bureau. I said, go for it. But I went, oh no, she's lost the plot. Yeah. She lost the plot. Like, what? Yeah. That's how you discriminate to see who's going to pay the, the rent. rent. Yeah. That's they have every crazy. right. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay, got it. Got to grow up and take over. And I just, and, and I did. That was the day I grew up. I looked over and, you know, the, the drugs had done damage on both of us. We're living in a delusion. Yeah. My age was a big one, too. I came out at 36. I'm like, oh, I said, when I came into like the uh, self-help groups and like into recovery, I had um, these crazy extensions in my hair that just didn't look right on me. Right. I was trying to live 10 years before. Right, right, right. Because those years were just gone. gone. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. You just sort of wake up and you're like, how could I be this age? I was a grown woman, like very much a grown woman. Yeah. And I was, uh, yeah. And that first month sober, I took the extensions out and, um, yeah, it was a wake up call. It's funny. I, I like one of my weird, desperate, like the outside life is going to cure me thing. I got extensions mm-hmm. like maybe three months before I got sober. And then I get fucked up at night and I cut them out, not realizing that I was cutting out my own hair. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. That yeah. was the thing. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So, okay, and so celebrity rehab comes along. Oh, yeah. So I, I got into the motel room. I got I got out of there into a little apartment somehow. I got some crappy B-movie mm-hmm. that I just uh, was completely hammered through. Mm-hmm. But I was ready. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I had gone into the rooms of, of 12 staff, and I was very ready. I was very humbled, and I was very embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know, of my life. And it was about, I think I was about nine months sober, actually, where I was on Suboxone. Mm-hmm. So they pulled me off Suboxone. Mm-hmm. But for me, even being on Suboxone was a Herculean effort. Like... Um. That was not a party for me. So then when they wanted to take me off that, I did not want to go off of mm-hmm. it. But they did. They, you know. And so that's how the show came along. I thought, oh, the guy Rick, he was an agent that I had met. Mm-hmm. And he was also getting sober, but he was a real agent. And he mm-hmm. said, you know what you'd be great for? Uh, uh, celebrity Rehab. So, so he contacted them. Because you were first season, right? Second. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so did you know about the show? I did. I did. And I... I I went either way on yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And so you were hesitant, I imagine, right. to do, to get sober on camera. Well, I did not think they were going to take me off of Suboxone. And I didn't quite realize what Suboxone was doing. Right. 
I thought I was a lot more sober than I was. Yeah. And then they took me off. Physically, it was grueling. And then all of a sudden, reality, real, the second layer of reality, it was hard enough to jump on. That was hard to not constantly put pills in my mouth. You yeah. take Suboxone once a day. Yeah. And I was used to just shoving pills down for every emotion. Yeah. So then they took me off of that, and I had nothing. By the way, I love the show, and I defend the show because you are watching. That, that is humanity. Yeah. That, that, those are people, and you know, people are going to die on that show yeah. because it's a lot of work to, to, to kind of be present and in reality and accept who you are and all the insecurities and then get close. I'll never forget Dr. Drew saying on that show, he goes, addicts are terrified of intimacy. Yeah. Terrified of it. Yeah. Not just, it, with, you know, with, with uh, opposite sex, but like with friends. Yeah. You're going to see something in me that you don't like, and you're going to confirm how absolutely unlovable I am. Right. So why bother? And that's why we isolate. That's yeah. why it runs so hand in hand. And isolation, like isolation is still today the, one of the hardest things for me. Okay. Do you isolate? I don't. Good for you. Like, I, yeah, you. I, you know, some characteristics of alcoholism I have, were, it feels like worse than anybody. And others I don't, I don't isolate and I also don't procrastinate. Fabulous. Do you not do you procrastinate? Yes. I don't do that. I don't. Can you admit your stuff? Oh yeah. Okay, so can I. Yeah. That's a big one too though. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people can't. They'll oh yes, I'm an alcoholic, but if you dig deeper and you go, well, you also kinda can't admit you're wrong and you project, they'll lose their mind. Yeah. I mean I do think I don't I don't ever want to get too into the steps, but like Four step kind of changed that for me, you know, where I just saw all of these people I resent, like the huge mammoth part. I, the, I except for one, I set the ball rolling. Mm. I completely did. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I almost think there's a thing about being too aware of your stuff, right? You know, where you know, I do think uh, there can be this tendency to sort of pathologize everything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, all human beings right. feel insecure. All human right. beings are, you know, I do, I mean, I think alcoholism is just like humanism multiplied by a million. Or I, mean, it's, I think it's pathological insecurity. Do you think for everyone? I mean, I could, I don't for disagree with you. Yeah. Do you think that there is an alcoholic that's not insecure? No. No, I yeah, definitely don't. Yeah. But pa- I, like pathological insecurity. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't For disagree with you. Yes, but I think, but I agree with you that every human being is insecure. Yeah, I have rarely met anyone that that you, you know what I mean. Well, like, yeah, because some even, element somewhere. Yeah, because even when you think they're not, like that's insecurity. Some, you know, but right, right. They might be good hiders. Right? Yeah, yeah. Do you, is that something? That's something that you've you've seen improvement over in in My recovery level. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm still, if you've never met me, I'm still come off insecure. I could not look you in the eye. I would have, I would have been able to do this. I would have been too shaky. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been too, I couldn't read anything and like going into some of the self-help groups, like I couldn't give you stuff to read. I couldn't do it because my hands were shaking too much. Right. It was too, and that was like a year, year and a half. I couldn't look. Like, people today will go, oh, my God, there she is. I'm a lot louder. I'll crack jokes now instead of, uh, and then clam up because I'm just too scared to follow through. Oh, my gosh. For me, vast improvement. My mother is like, I don't even know who who is this. Right, right. You know, and, and yet, and yet, if you don't know me, 
you, you'll see someone that's more insecure than you would have thought. Well, I think because of how you look, people just, if you're not talking, they don't assume you're insecure. They assume, oh, she must be a snob. Right. Or she must be so into herself or whatever it is. I mean, I'm sure they don't. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't think people, I don't know. I have no idea. But, but you know, you know, how people look, you know, again, our society values it oh so much that, you know, right. and, and the most beautiful women, you know, you know, my experience have been among the most insecure. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Because then you wonder, you know, so tomorrow is the second, March 2nd, that's mm-hmm. my birthday. I'll be 44. So I go, oh, my gosh, Ma, I'll never forget my therapist saying um, we were talking about people with personality disorders. Mm-hmm. And he was wondering if I had this way back in the day. I was like 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. And he said, I wonder if you have histrionic personality disorder. He goes, they're, they're, and I was like, what's that? Yeah. And he said, well, you know, it's women that are very into the way they look and they're very seductive, blah, blah, blah. And he goes... But men really like them. They love uh, women that are very dramatic yeah. between the ages of 18 and 45. That stuck in my head. Wow. So I am now so scared. Not 40. I didn't care about 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45. 45. Well, no, but well, it'll be over. like me. It, right. Oh, I see. So well, that's why you've been appealing is your histrionic personality disorder. It, is that, no, is that, so oh, he oh, put no, this no. first. Okay. No, no, no. Not, not, not over. I don't know if I ever had it. But, but it's yeah. like... Um, he he said that that men would like these types of women uh, until forty five. Yeah, and he's like, you know, they, they they like the way they look. They like that they're very dramatic, and it stuck in my head that no man will like me after forty five. Yeah, just one of those things that happen when you're really young. And yeah, the, and the oh yeah, and it just stays sticks. with you forever. So you, you know? think, does anyone like me for anything else? You right. know, will they go? Well, you're cute. But now you're old. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think when you know we're growing spiritually. We become, I mean, like, when we become happier, we become more attractive. Well, we do. Yeah. But do, will they? See, the right ones will see right. it. Right. You know? Right. Um, I agree. So, so, and, you know, and I do think it's like, you know, I mean, I, who knows how, how, I mean, I'm saying this to myself as much, like, when you're remaining single and wanting a relationship. You're at the point where you actually want a relationship because that was not true for me for a long time. You know, I do believe the universe like is getting you ready totally. with these bad experiences, right. with whatever it is, as opposed to these people that I see that are trying to work that shit out in the relationships. Right. right. And so that like if you do all of this healing and you're used to being alone, right. that codependence, that need for a relationship and to then work out all your shit with it, right? It's not. It's not non-existent. It's just less. Less. You know. I I went on this online dating uh, site mm-hmm. about a year ago, and I um, put my information in. And everyone, I noticed everyone goes, "If you have baggage, do not apply." <laughs> and on my thing, I said, "Okay, I do have baggage." Yeah. And I, I, I and you do too. But let's just be aware of the baggage. Yeah. That's all. I mean, you're not going to meet someone. Yeah, I got baggage, but I'm I'm aware of it. I'm trying to like take contrary action. Yeah, I'd rather be with someone like that. Yeah, than someone in denial. Yeah, or someone that, you know, absolutely. It's like, does your baggage clash? Is it red and he has yellow? 
Right. And that's ugly. Right. Or, you know, can you can the two bags hold together? Yeah. And you know, we got a lot, lot of red bags and we got to dump them and we'll dump them. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think all this stuff was for a reason. My relationships are getting better mm-hmm. and better mm-hmm. and longer and mm-hmm. longer. Because mm-hmm. I was really the queen of the three week to three month relationship. Yeah. So a lot of alcoholics. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Do you, have you dated uh, in, like sober guys? Yes. He was, well, a normie, I guess. Mm-hmm. He rarely drank. Mm-hmm. And it lasted a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Yeah, I guess so. It was good, but here, here's the thing. Was it, I, I didn't like him a whole lot. Yeah. So was that why I was able to stay in it that long? Right. Because to me, that's actually a long time. Yeah, oh, it's me too. And, and, and if I liked him a lot, would I have been able to stay that long? Right. And be comfortable and not, like I wasn't jealous, I wasn't overbearing. Matter of fact, it was kind of the opposite. I just yeah. wonder now. I don't know. I'm just working this stuff out. You know. Was it, was it hard to be with someone you didn't like that much? Did you have to constantly sort of tell yourself, look, he's a great guy. He's not going anywhere. Yes. He's so smart, whatever it was, yes. you know? You sound like every one of my friends. That's all I, I you know what? He, he, he treats me very well. Yeah. He adores me, da, 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 but I don't want to sleep with him. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I've done that. I have, you know, and I would wonder, is this what other women, when they say they've met the one, right. is this what they mean, you know? Here's the thing. I think um, that guy actually I dated 10 years ago. I was a complete mess. Mm-hmm. I was such a mess, he said this to me. He left, and he went back to his ex-wife, and he said, Amber, I don't know what you're into, but you're not into me. Mm-hmm. That was what he said years to me, mm-hmm. uh, years ago. And I thought he meant, he meant I don't know what drug it is, right. but it's not me. And he told me this recently. And But what I thought he meant was, I don't know what you're into. I know you're into your career, but it's not me. That's what I heard because I was in such denial. Yeah. But back then, I liked him. And he was still a little bit stuck on his Mm ex-wife. Like, I could see that was not a surprise when they ended up together Mm -hmm. again. So was that why I had so much feeling? And this time, when we got back together, you know, he came at me. Yeah. He was available. He came at me gangbusters. Why did I turn off? And and when you said about the one, other people, yeah, they are, I feel like they're able to when two people actually come at each other. Yeah, they're not. They, one doesn't shut down. It's yeah. like with us, it's like this game of, of 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 chase. One stops and runs the other direction, and the other one chases. I know. It's I, so painful. I know. I know. And both sides are kind of painful. Totally. One's apathetic. Yeah. And the other one's obsessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not painful. I would say when I'm in that situation, I'm irritated. Irritated. <laughs> and then and then the other one is painful. It's it's so weird that you're talking about this. I am irritated. just out of something where right. where I'm like, is the only fuck, don't tell me the only reason I liked him is that he was unavailable. Please don't tell me it's that. You know? Yeah. Um, and you know, because I don't know if he had been more available, you know, know. if I would really have liked him. Um, right. For me, I know it's getting so much better. I mean, the part that used to be, the, I think, the really damaging part was not necessarily being attracted to stand available, but what that would do afterwards. Like, it would, I would get, like, pummeled with depression. I would, like, oh. not be able to, like, deal at all. I would, like, think I don't want to walk in front of a car going by over some guy that, like, I dated for three weeks, you know? Oh, God, I can feel it. Did you have a dad? Yeah, but Emotionally unavailable? Uh, alternately emotionally unavailable and then, like, boundary invading. Oh. Yeah. Got it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, they got divorced at three. He was a professional football player. Yeah. He went to, to New York to become an actor. And what I told myself as a kid is I never got angry. Yeah. I don't do anger very well. Yeah. Um, was, well, of course, he needs to go do his life. Why would he sit here with me when he needs to become an actor? Right. He needs to live his life. Well, he had a child. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Um, Did yeah. You, is he still alive? No. He, had, he was an alcoholic. Did you have a relationship with him before he died? Uh, not really. When I was 15, I was sent out, and I was uh, with him three months. Mm-hmm. And we, we fought. I adored him, but we, we fought a little bit, and I went back to my mom, and it was kind of a relief, because it was a little bit like, who's this stranger? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really know him that well. Mm-hmm. And then he came out to L.A. to write a script with me, okay. and I was shit-faced. And I didn't pick him up at the train. I mean, like I was just out of, I was probably the absolute, I don't know why I didn't die during that period. It was about two years before I got sober mm-hmm. and then he died. Right. I, and, and you know what Dr. Drew said, and it's not even conscious, I can't even say if this is correct, but for some reason it's stuck in my head. He goes, you were mad. Right. I said, what do you mean? Oh, makes me want to get upset. He goes, you were mad. He rejected you oh, when you were a kid. And you reject him, right? It's not. It's not conscious. It just. I felt like I was just hammered. Right. Right. It he makes was, a lot of sense. I on a certain level, maybe I was. Oh, really? You're back now. I'm out of my mind. About to. You know, every night my fingertips are turning blue because I can barely breathe. And you come into my life now, and you would get sober. You know, and have these. But, but like dry drunk sober, like right. critical, right. angry, you know, where are you? Why aren't you here? We were, you said you're going to write this, I came out here for, you know, it was, it's hard when you, there's no closure. Well, and the thing is, when you're a kid, you don't, you don't have the luxury of saying, I'm so, ang-, like, yeah. I'm so angry. These are your gods. They don't do any wrong. So instead right. you internalize it. Um, you know, you think it has, it must be you. Right, of course. You know, and it's only, you know, it's only getting older where you see, oh my God, how could you have done that? Like, how could you have lived like that? How could you have behaved? How could you have called yourself a parent? My girlfriend is having problems. She just moved back um, to where she's from. She moved away for a year Mm -hmm. and she has a young daughter. I think she's about eight, eight now. But she moved away for a year to get sober. Okay. She moved now. She's drinking again, but she, you know she tried. Mm-hmm. She moved back, and the daughter's very, very angry. You know, where were you? You left for a year. Blah 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 blah. And she's like, you know what? I'm not going to speak to my daughter when she's angry like that. I said, I'm jealous of your daughter. Yeah. How does she know to do that? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what happened when my dad came back in? The few little visits that I got, he could do no wrong. Right. I was. I got lice. And I had to stay home from school, and he had to go through my hair as my mom was at work mm-hmm. and take the light. I was mortified because this god of a man who was here to visit me now had to, as he should, yeah. go through and do my lice. And then when I said, Dad, can I go out and play? He said, no. Like, he got very agitated because he had to do this. Yeah. What did I do wrong? That affected me with men forever. It takes a lot for me to go, I don't like that. I do. Mm-hmm. I do now. Mm-hmm. That's something I realized years ago. I will say I don't like that and that mat. Mm-hmm. More so with men than my female friends. Interesting. I don't know why. I haven't figured that out. Well, yet. it's all mom. You know? That's all mom stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And mom was the only one that was really there. Yeah. Consistently there. Yeah. I mean, I believe, you know, I don't entirely believe that our relationships with men are dictated by dad and our relationships with women are dictated by mom. Like, I do think it can be a combination. Yeah. You know? I, I do too. Um, Me too. And what's it, so, so you have a good relationship with your mom now. I adore my mom. I mean, basically, I've always been the parent. Yeah. And recently, you know, I got ill. It was the first time that I wasn't been you know, able to take care of her. Um, so that was kind of scary. But, um, yeah, I adore her. And I, I get it. I get it. If you haven't hit a bottom, you haven't hit a bottom. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to rub it in. And you're not angry at her? Um, it's too buried. Yeah. My, the guy that I just split with said, I don't like your mom at all. I said, I want you to meet my mom. He said, I don't want to meet her. I said, what? I don't like what happened. She, she co-signed everything. She was a drug addict with you. I said, yes, but she was a drug addict. She right. was using with me all this time. Right. I mean, I live away from her now. Yeah. But all this time we were together. Yeah. And I took care of her, you know, and, and she lived off of my money. It was, I bought the drugs. We, we, you know, I would go in there and say, I've taken a lot today. Please check on me because I don't want to stop breathing. She never came in there. She was on her own drug. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it was, and, and my ex was like, she did you so wrong. And I'm like, but she was messed up. She had a narcissistic mother. Yeah. So where do you get mad? Like, and Dr. Drew said, you are very angry at your mom. I mean, years, 36 years old, you had the brain of a, like a 15-year-old. Right. And, and that was, your mom was supposed to guide you and say, well, you need to go to rehab. I'll put myself in rehab. And she did nothing but, you know, enable and, and go out and get the drugs and buy the, you know. But she was sick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really forgiving and open-hearted way to look at it. But why don't I feel better? Meaning, I can see she's sick, but it, 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 it really angers me. Like, I'll be driving down the road and I'll be talking to her about something. And she'll be like, um, oh, what day is it today? And I'll be like, uh, the 24th. She'll be like, oh, I can't get my refill out to the 30th. When she's thinking about that's her problem, and I've stopped digging in there. Yeah. But that angers me. It's like you've been a damn drug addict your whole life. I'm telling you something about my life right now, and you're thinking about your drugs. That there's such rage that comes up. Or she'll be like, she knows that I don't support her drug addiction, so I'll go into Rouse, but Rite Aid is right there. So she'll go, um, I'll be right back, and like, yeah, rage because. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. But the thing is, one could argue that 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 that's as that's healthy. I mean, you know, to there are people who are fueled their entire lives by their rage at their parents. We do the steps in order to practice forgiveness. Forgiveness is not something that is like I forgive and I've forgiven forever. You know, I don't know anybody that in some way isn't massively triggered by their parents doing oh, anything. Yeah. You know? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't I don't know what kind of a saint it would take to... Unhealthy saint yeah, it would yeah, take you're right, you're to right. have the mom say stuff like that and, and be, you know, you're brought right back there and not have rage. Do you know what I think it is, though? It's... Is if... I think she still thinks it's kind of funny that I'm sober. She'll say nice things like, wow, you're so different. When I'm being really responsible, like the other day, I'm like, yeah, I got to get my taxes ready. And she's like, wow, you're so different, which is, you know, really nice. Yeah. I have to have to grow up. But then there's another part where she'll, where 
she'll say things like, you know, remember when you were in, in that early AA and you were like all kind of like crazy about it? Like she'll yeah. kind of put down my recovery. Yeah. And I think she thinks it's all kind of silly and I've gone on this like little tangent. Right. And that's where I get mad because I lost half my life, lady. Yeah. And you lost all of your life. But at yeah. least you had a daughter. At least you were healthy enough right in the beginning because I was always a drug addict. Yeah. I started, re- you know, in my late teens and on. Yeah. She started in her late 20s. Yeah. Like right around when she was pregnant with me, she yeah. got really into pain. At least you had a little bit there where, you, you know, you, you, you met someone, you, you married someone, and you had a baby, you had a little... Yeah. Like it just... I'm fighting for my life here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that active addicts have to not ridicule the program, but right. find fault with sobriety because... It's like the one way they're justifying what they're right. doing is like, oh, those people are crazy. No, yeah, oh, those point. people are like, you know. Right. And, um, you know, I, I I don't know. I see these people, like, I don't know, their parents will come in and give them cakes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. wow, like, that's so healthy. I mean, my parents are not active addicts at all, but I would not say they're, like, my mom, who, you know, I don't really have much of a relationship with my dad, but, um, but you know, my mom's not so psyched to talk to me about my sobriety. Like, I can sense her discomfort. Um, right. Just, you know, I think that... So I think that... I think that no people who are not totally into it can't really understand it. True. That's you know? true. That's true. And, and do you think that when she talks to you about your sobriety that she's... Um, is she someone that like feels like it reflects on her? I think so. I think, I think that... But, you know, part of me wonders with my whole family is like, yeah, do they think this is just kind of this, like, thing I'm doing to get attention? Right. And, you know, like, really? Right. Like, do you really yeah. need to do yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's, that's how my mom is. She doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I adore my mom, so it's nothing, you know. Me too. That's yeah. like when you said, how's your relationship with mama? I adore her. I see her all the time. I'm, you know, it, it fixed, I just fixed up her... her living room but parts of me I, I i just can't get to the anger because what's the point i mean she's in a wheelchair right like it's i'm gonna be yelling at someone going but I, some of the little jokes get to me though yeah the, the little little jokes make me want to turn and go you know what at least if i were to die today i had the past like six years of being somewhat present like somewhat present yeah with little moments of connecting to other people yeah not always but yeah. you know just that moment i didn't have that before yeah did she ever have that you know i don't you know like yeah yeah well yeah i just think that's very generous and i think there's, but i think there is some pathology in there though i mean again I hate to pathologize everything, know. you know, I do. And, and we <laughs> I do, we all do, <laughs> you know, um, okay, but we, this has been awesome, oh, and we so are, I am running out of time, I want to say one quick thing about Jason, please, though. let's yeah. talk about Jason Waller, previous after party podcast, Jason uh, absolutely, um, we started speakersinrecovery.com, yes, and we're going to be representing speakers in recovery for everything, so, uh, if, and, and we want to take the shame out of the game. Yeah. Because we want to have, you know, sex addicts and, and gambling addicts, and we want to be the place where someone could come and say, you know, I don't believe sex addiction is real. Yeah. But, you know, my college, we're having a problem with, with, uh, you know, all this crazy stuff, and these people are getting raped and this and that, and, 
you know, and, and the boys are, are just dating everyone, that there's no commitment here, and have someone come on there and, and tell about sex addiction. It's not yeah. really about sex, just yeah. about not, you know, not being able to connect emotionally, and, and, it, and it's very real, it's very painful, by the way. Yeah. I don't have sex addiction, right. but I've seen it, and it's so painful, they cannot connect emotionally, Yeah. and there is this high with sex, and it gets really dark, yeah. and really lonely. So we want to have speakers that really will tell the raw deal yeah, and, and take the shame out of the game for everything. So that's our plan and we're going to launch. We have a little one page website up now, but uh, we, our site's almost complete. So And so is it, so it's you and Jason are going to be doing it, but you're taking on other clients. Yes. Are the other celebrity rehab people signed up? Yes. Uh-huh. We got awesome. a couple. And, and so, and you're reaching out to schools, colleges, conventions, conventions. We're going to go, um, we're getting some stuff printed up. We're going to do, is it called NACA? Oh yeah, there's a yeah NACA National. I am so embarrassed. Oh, oh yeah, no, sorry. How's this going? I did that. Yeah, <laughs> what that thing? I talk about addiction okay. um, and sobriety and relationships a little bit, and yeah, and I do it. You know, I have an agent. I've been. I've probably done fifteen gigs. Oh great! That's and they're great. they're good. I have a harder time getting people to show up. Oh no way! Yeah, at schools where they require it or they give extra credit, I've had huge crowds. The last like three I've done, I just don't even know if I can do it anymore because it's it. like nine people. I can't. I, I can't it. fly to like Wyoming to speak to nine people. It's I just it. too dispiriting. But because you guys, you know, celebrity rehab, like I think yeah, that you would. We've we've had issues like that too. You have. Yeah, yeah. How many how many speaking jobs have you done? Uh, well, not as many as you. I've probably done about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. But I've I've come and flown, you know, where they're paying pretty well. Yeah, a couple grand, and I'm, yeah. and I'm I'm there, and it's like there's like ten people. And if you're codependent, you just feel oh. like oh my god, I feel so bad. And it's like the school should have gotten people to show up. You're right. I I mean that's that's something I I'm gonna do next time is like get the school really on that. You right. know. Oh, it's so mortifying. You take it so personally. I know. And then there's been a bigger group, but I mean when it is a smaller group, it is just. I always say that I have an easier time speaking to a large audience oh, yeah. because someone walks away and goes to the bathroom, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when it's small, it's like 10 or 20, it's intimate. Yeah. And if you look down, if you use the restroom, I just take it as a personal And they're story. all on their phones now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, I do a thing because I talk about like addiction to technology, too, where I'm like, it's... T- Five minutes in, I'm like, how many people have checked their phones by now? And <laughs> pretty right. much everyone raises their hands. So I got to use that one because that will keep them kind of like aware. Doesn't stop them. Yeah. But okay, so that is great. So what's the website for that? Speakersandrecovery.com. Mm-hmm. And we have the new, we did the full website with all the speakers. That'll probably be up in about two weeks. Okay, great. And then, and then people can find you. Do you tweet? Do you have all that stuff? God, I used to do all that stuff. I do Instagram sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think it's Amberly Smith one. Mm-hmm. I don't do a whole lot of social media. Jason does. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I got to get on that. It's important. But, and where else can people find you? Like, are you, um, you, you don't have a website. Well, I'm going to do my, I've been working on speakers in recovery. It was yeah. such a Herculean effort. Yeah. We've been doing it since November. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to do my own just to have my own presence. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, at least have some pictures and everything. It'll just lead to speakers in recovery because that's what I do now for a living. That's great. I love it. Amber, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been fantastic. So that was Amber Smith from Celebrity Rehab, LA Confidential, numerous magazine covers. She was great, right? Go check out her Speakers Bureau and with Jason Waller and go book her as a speaker, right? You want that. 
Anyway, thank you for listening. Please go review the podcast. Give us, if you're going to review, give us all the stars. And subscribe and tell your friends. And thank you for listening. See you next time.